Uh, this is a sort of time of year when usually we're told that we need to look back. And uh, what happens is that we have the reviews of things. Um, you know, there's, there's the, the TV stuff. This is the history. These are, are the news events of, of the previous, you know, the past year. The significant things. That, I mean, some big stuff has happened in 2019. And therefore, we're going to get bombarded with it as we head towards the uh, end of the year. The, the focus is going to be big time on this is the year that was. And, uh, and certainly for a nation, we've, we've had some interesting times. Um, we're into our second prime minister. And uh, oh, we won't go there. Let's move on. So let's not look back over those things. And, and this was the advice of, of my PE teacher when I was at uh, Winton School in Andover. Don't look back. And I can remember it in, in athletics training when I was, uh, I was running with the athletics team at, at our school that uh, being told, would you stop looking back, looking behind you? And I think to myself, well, I want to look back to see who's behind me to make sure that I stay ahead of them. But the whole idea is that you don't look back because you're not just racing against them. You're racing against yourself and you need to be pushing yourself and don't hold back in any way, and don't look back. If you look back, you, and I don't know if you've seen the YouTube-type videos of people who are heading towards the line, and they're feeling that they've got this in the bag, and then they look back and they realize there's somebody just woof, powering past. Don't look back, just keep going forward. So my, my uh, uh, PE teacher, back 40-odd years ago, would say, uh, don't look back, just keep going. And if you win, you win because you've kept going. And looking back, he's not going to move you up in position at all. And then you've got Jesus' words. This is what Jesus said. Uh, in uh, Luke's Gospel, we're reminded, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for service. You see, what God has taken us to is an amazing place. He's lifted us out of darkness and brought us into light. He's given us a vision and a passion and a hope and a future. He has uh, allowed us to be lavished in his grace and his mercy. And Jesus' words here are, now you're moving forward. You have the vision that God has given to you. The plan is before you. Now just keep going. Don't look back. How many times I've spent time with people who have uh, reminisced, looked back. Well, actually, that's held them back rather than driven them forward. So here we are. This is, uh, this is the end of, of 2019. So we're going to look at a few things uh, that we shouldn't be looking at. Which is quite interesting, isn't it? So let's not look back at sins that have been forgiven. This is the way the enemy likes to work. See, he always reminds you of your past because he's got no knowledge Uh, 
remember sharing with a lady called Jan. Jan was uh, one of the amazing people at uh, my previous church. And uh, I can remember her sitting and talking to me one day about how she felt. Um, I suppose in a way she didn't feel worthy of God's love. And she even said to me, she said to me, Dave, I, I've pretty much done all of the Ten Commandments. And I'm sat there thinking to myself, because I've got to go and do it. Oh, really? Really? And, uh, and she even confessed to me that, that she terminated a pregnancy when she was younger. She said she looked at me straight in the eye and said, yes, even murder. But the thing about it is, with Jan, is that she always seems to be looking at each and every one of those things that she has done that she believed discounted her from God's love. And it was beautiful just to spend time with her and help her to understand that your sins are forgiven. That the past is in the past. Let's not allow the past to derail our present and totally obliterate our future. When Jesus says that you are forgiven, you are forgiven. When we recognize the work that he's done upon the cross when he died for each and every one of us. He said, it is finished. That means it's finished. Job done. So we need to walk out in the finished work of Christ rather than looking back at the mess that we may have made of things. The psalmist reminds us uh, that there are some important things that we need to acknowledge as we walk out in our relationship with God. It says this, it says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Now this is the thing, sometimes we do forget the benefits that God brings into our lives. And he starts to list here, the psalmist, that he forgives all of your sins. I don't know if you notice there is all of your sins. There's none of your sins, none of your disobedience, none of your reckless uh, avoidance of God's best that is not forgivable. He forgives all of your sins. We need to walk out in the forgiveness that we have. The next line is a line that always challenges me because once we recognize that all of our sins are forgiven and in that category we say, okay, well, okay, I can believe that. He has forgiven all of my sins. And then it goes on, and he heals all of your diseases. Well, I, I want to see that more fulfilled. I, I want to see that fulfillment over us. As much as I am aware of the forgiveness of sin, I want to be a part of a body of Christ, followers of Jesus, who would actually say, and we are seeing diseases being eradicated. If this is a promise that God gives us in this psalm, then we want to see this worked out. Try that now then. See, I've pressed the button. I can start again if anybody didn't hear any of that. There's people going, no! <laughs> is, that, is that happening now? Oh, thanks for looking into that, Tim. I appreciate that. Bless you, mate. <laughs> he heals all our diseases. I want to see that. That's what I want to, uh, to pursue. As I pursue Christ, I want to see the fulfillment of 
of the eradication of sickness and disease. Redeems our life from the pit. He takes us out of the miry clay, as one of the songs that we used to sing, lifts us up and puts us in a place of righteousness. We are seated with Christ in the heavenly... Ah, re- oh, that's just awesome. Crowns us. You know, we did this on Christmas Day. We put on our party crowns, recognizing that we are uh, co-heirs with Christ, princes and princesses in his presence. And then he goes on, his compassion towards us. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. He talks about that he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Oh, isn't that awesome? So we've got to be careful that we don't hold on to or look back upon sins that have been forgiven. Once you say, I mean, it's one of these really interesting things, isn't it? Because when I, I just go to God. And we say, uh, dear Lord, I just recognize that the way that I behaved um, towards that parking attendant today was just not honoring to you. And I, I just want to ask you to forgive me for the way I spoke to him and my attitude towards him. And uh, I just need to be forgiven for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. So I've come to God in prayer about something that I may have done. <laughs> you don't know, but I may have done. Um, but you see, if a couple of hours later I go back to God and just say, uh, oh, Lord, Lord, do you remember I was talking to you about that incident with the parking attendant? And God's response to that is, no. I have chosen to forget all of that. You raking it up is not what I desire. I need you to leave it. Leave it there and walk away from it. I have forgiven and now you're free. Walk out in the freedom. That I have given to you. And this is so beautiful, isn't it? He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. We come to him and we mustn't allow the sin of the past to hold on to us in the present. So don't look back. And this is what a beautiful verse as it carries on. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions. From... Ah, Wesley, tell me, come and tell us why east and west. Wesley was sharing this the other day, and I thought, so I, I just need to, this is good, I like this. So can you tell us why East from West? Um, chap that I was talking to when I was going through a rough stage, I kept dragging up my sins, and he was saying exactly what Dave is just saying, and he brought this verse up to me, which I had read and looked at, didn't truly understand, um, but he was a scientist as well, and he went into great depth that North and South can be measured, but it says west, the east and the west and east, is, there's no measurement, it just goes around. So you can't measure how far your sins are separated. If it would have said north and south, you might think, oh, we can retrieve them, they're only that far apart. So they just that's, can't be brought back. That's good. Because I can go to the North Pole, and that's as far north as I can go, or I can go to the South Pole, which is as far south as I can go, but there's no west or east pole. It's as far as, it, it's infinite. At the distance that he has removed our transgressions from us. Yet we seem to try really hard to go and find them again. Not necessary. Recognize that he has taken them away that they wouldn't impact our life today. Sometimes I think to myself, I, I can believe that for others, but can I take that on for me? Well, today, let's just say that this is for you. This is for you 
The sins of the past are in the past. If you've brought them to the foot of the cross and left them there, then that's where they're left. They're dealt with. You do not need to be held back by those things that you've confessed in the past. And for me, the time when the enemy gets me is when I'm having a shower in the morning and I'm thinking about my day and I think about, and other stuff comes in and I just say, no, get behind me. This is not part of my day. This is the past and I'm now in the present and heading towards the future. Don't look back. At defeats that discourage you, there's something else here then, as well as our, our sins that have been forgiven, there's those things that we tried to do and we didn't get a handle on or victory in, and then they seem to keep coming back in reminding us that you're not that good. Well, God always tells you that you're brilliant, you're amazing. This is what the psalmist writes for us. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. This is what the Bible is telling us, is that as we stumble, as we sort of figure our way out through our journey of life with God, we've got to recognize that he's there to hold us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're with me. Which is great to know, isn't it? God doesn't leave us when things get difficult. He says, I'm coming with you. So he's with us in those valleys. His hand is out to hold us when we stumble. And then Paul reminds us in Philippians that we can do anything. We can do anything through him or everything through him who gives us strength. Past defeats. Oh, I didn't do it last year. Therefore, there's no point in trying this year. Well, that's a load of rubbish. Try it again this year. Here's some thoughts for you. Uh, Three Peaks Challenge. I, I remember one of my sabbaticals, I, um, I decided that I would kick it off really well by going and climbing the Three Peaks. So it was Snowdon and Scarfell Pike and then up to Ben Nevis. And um, the one thing that I remember most, though, was the negativity from people who were saying, you can't, you can't do this day. You can't just go out and climb three mountains. Well, I mean, I thought of them as walks. I'd looked at them on, on a, a few pictures, and they just looked like stony walks. So I thought, well, this can't be too bad. And then you find that people die on these mountains, and then I'm thinking, oh, maybe this is a bigger deal than uh, I've let up to allow it to be. But the thing about it is there's this, this word that said, Dave, you're not, you won't make it. And then there was another couple that in the church that I just thought were absolutely amazing, because... They gave me some money to go and buy some walking boots. So they said, look, Dave, we believe in you and we want to support you through your sabbatical. Um, here's some money. Go and buy yourself some decent walking boots. And those are the people that I want in my life. I want walking boot buyers rather than the you're never going to make it sayers. I, I don't know at this moment in time um, how you have comprehended or thought through what plans God has got for you as a church, I, I, the thing about it is, I know it's beyond our wildest dreams. We're, we're sort of dancing around the edges with a few things at the moment, but I, I recognize that the plans and the purposes that God has for us as a fellowship are phenomenal. And we should never look back at things that didn't quite go the way that we wanted them to go to allow them to be a hindrance to where we're going in the future. Um, 
we've done that before. Well, when you did it before, maybe that was the trial run for today when it's going to be even better. But there was some brilliant stuff that happened in the past that needs to be repeated. And there's some stuff that we've never tried that we're going to be adventurous about. It's going to be an exciting year, this coming year. Are we going to have to move out of here because we're having all this refurbished? This is going to be fantastic. A little bit of um, a challenge in where are we going to go? What are we going to do? How are we going to meet? But I believe that that's where God's going to say, and this is where I'm going to make you grow. In your love for one another, in your flexibility, in your abilities to lay out chairs and put them away at the end. Don't listen to those who say you can't. Look out for those people who say things like, can I buy you some walking shoes? I put my first essay in for my master's um, back in November. And then my result came through. My result for my first essay was 58%. Can I just say, I think that is phenomenal. Pass mark is 50. So I'm at 58 on my first essay. So you have this little moment now, because there's 18 in my batch who are studying with me. And you do, do I ask people how they got on? I don't know. I got 58. I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you say? I don't know. So I did anyway. So I asked a few people. Said, "Ah, yeah, well, da, 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 da. but I didn't. I didn't do it like you know. I've got 50. Because in my mind, if I got 51, I would have been very, very happy and I was ecstatic. And I just know that I can do better, and I'm going to work it out. I've got three years to get it sorted, so we're going to work it out. And there was one guy who came back to me and said he got 57, and he was really down about it. And I'm just saying, look, bottom line, mate, this is the first time you've written a master's level essay in your life, and you've just got 50. You have passed it. Not only have you passed it, you've passed it pretty all right in my mind. I said, I got 58, you got 57. I said, but we won't draw in the other guys who got 68 and 74 and 81 that were also in my little group. But that's okay. They're just going to buy us a pint, I believe, in my next residential. Don't look down on your achievements. Recognize that you're doing great things. The enemy will always tell you you could have done better. And maybe you could do better. But hey, let's not hang back on it. Let's celebrate our victories and move on. God's doing great stuff with you. And he's got even greater stuff to share with you in the year to come. Uh, Defeat that discourages Or do we recognize that there's successes there that will strengthen us? That's what we want. We recognize that I'm not going to be discouraged. I'm going to say, okay, the bumps are what I climb on. We're going to go over these little by little and we'll see where God takes us. It's an exciting adventure walking with God. So don't let the the defeats of the past discourage you. If things haven't worked out, then come on, let's come at it again. And if you want some help coming at it again, then let's join together. Let's support one another. That's what I love about life groups is that we are able to share stuff together and support one another, encourage each other as we travel together in our amazing journey with God. Third point of four, you're getting there. Don't look back at the past and see it better than it was. I've got this uh, uh, beautiful verse here from Ecclesiastes that just reminds me that yesterday wasn't as good as we thought it was. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? 
for it is not wise to ask such questions. I, I just remember moaning Moses. Moaning Moses. Moses who would come back to God and say to God, Oh my goodness, what a bunch of people that you've given me to lead. And we're taking them out of, uh, of being imprisoned in captivity over there with, with the Egyptians and, and, and Pharaoh's rule. And I'm taking them through the wilderness to the promised land and all they do is whinge. And the thing about it is, is it's this recognizing that where they were, they were slaves. And he's taken them into freedom. Yet on the journey of freedom, you know, what are we going to eat? Oh, we're going to get, oh, God's going to provide food. And now we think to us, oh dear, it's like vegetables and turkey. Not vegetables and turkey again. But these guys are whinging at, at Moses. It, it's just like, oh, it was so much better when we were slaves. No, it wasn't. My mum's dad, now we used to call, it was really funny actually because we've had this discussion in our house, what would, uh, what would we like to be called when, when we have grandchildren eventually? You know, a, a nan, a gran, a grandma or something, I, I, I don't know, that's not me, that's the lady part of this, our relationship. Me, do I want to be granddad, grandpa, grandpops, granddude, I, I, I don't, I don't, I've got no idea as yet, that, how that's going to work out. But I, I remember that my mum's dad, we called him Grampy. But the reason we called him Grampy was because he was so grumpy. <laughs> now, we thought it was a term of endearment in one sense. Oh, it's Grampy, Grampy, yeah. But th- we were guided towards Grampy because he was so grumpy. And the thing about Grampy, or Grumpy, however you might to put it, every, everything was so much better. Oh, it was so much better. When, oh, well, let me tell you about when I was your age. Now, the, the old boy, he died, I think, I think I was only about nine or ten when he died. But in the sort of nine or ten years, I just realized, remember, the only thing that I can remember of my grandpa is the fact that he always thought that the past was better than the present. And for some people, it is. They think that's how it is. But it isn't. It's just different. Nostalgia isn't great. We have to move on. And this guy, Vance Havner, he's an American preacher, and he wrote these words down. He said, the, the present is never as good as it used to be. But the truth is that a great future beats a great past every time. And this is the truth, is that we have a great future. So, you know, nostalgia, looking back, this, oh, church used to be great. And then, well, actually, the church is going from glory to glory. It's getting better and better. That's the journey that God has with us. The past isn't the best. The best is yet to come. Fourth point, don't look back at old conflicts that make you bitter. I don't know what's going on or what's gone on in relationships in the past, but I certainly know that this time of year is a time when relationships find themselves highlighted. Uh, things that, you know, and, and even having conversations with people, oh, well, I don't really know why I don't talk to her anymore, or I don't really know why we don't get involved with that side of the family anymore. Well, maybe it's time to reconcile those situations and move on into a new year without having those conflicts of the past making you bitter. There's a scripture here from 1 Peter. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind, 
Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. I was reading this in the message this morning and it says it really simply. It says, so clean house, clean house, fresh start, new beginning, none of the old stuff. Let's do things differently. Make a clean sweep of malice and pretense, envy and hurtful talk. And this is it. Verse 2, how he sums it up, he says, because you've had a taste of God. How about that then? When you've tasted the very, very best, you don't accept anything else. You just know that it's inferior. And a life with God is far more superior than a life without him. And with him, we can do all things. This is exactly what the Bible writer was telling us um, with that Philippians verse, reminding us that we can do all things through him who gives us strength because we've tasted God. We're in a relationship with him and we're in a different position and therefore we can do things that we would never ever have felt that we could have done in the past because he is with us. So this past year, have we deepened our relationship with him? Are we closer to Christ than we were at this time last year? And if we have, then we have tasted something of God's goodness. Now we carry that with us through into another year. Let's not look back at old conflicts, but look to him that helps us to be the one who reconciles, rebuilds and goes forward without anybody holding us back. Reviewing these things. Don't look back at sins that have been forgiven. They're under the blood of Jesus. So leave them there. Don't look back at those sins. They're past. Don't look back at defeats that get you down. You can't change the past, but you can affect the future through Christ who strengthens you. Don't look back at the past. And see it better than it was. Look ahead with anticipation and faith to new challenges, new victories that are ahead of you. And this is the thing for us as a church. What we've got ahead of us, 2020. Something visionary about that whole number, isn't it? 2020. And the leadership have been praying into that for this church. And we've got some amazing plans for us as a body of Christ. And certainly running up to Easter with a program running up, uh, running us through Lent. 20 plus 20 equals 40. 40, a significant number. 40 years in the wilderness. Well, we don't want to do that. Uh, 40 years, uh, 40 days in the desert for Jesus. Well, that seemed quite um, significant. But 40s. And what does that mean to us as a church? Something's going to happen. Those times brought about amazing blessing. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the desert, but he returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the way that the gospel writers write that. He, he was led out, but returned with the power. Maybe that's something that God's going to speak into our hearts as a church when we spend some time focusing on the intimacy that he wants to have with us. So we've got some amazing challenges ahead of us, and I believe God's got some victories that we're going to see. And you're going to be involved in that. And the last one there, don't look back at old conflicts that make you bitter. Give up on them, put them away forever and live with a spirit of joy and cheerfulness and hopefulness and happiness. 
if you've tried to reconcile, then you've done your bit. And then there's times just to let it go and move on. And don't allow those conflicts of the past to impact your present and derail your future. Philippians again. Do not consider yourselves yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, says the Apostle Paul, forgetting what is behind. There's the call for us as we go into a new year. Let's forget what's behind. Let's forget it. And now the challenge is strain towards what is ahead. Let's push on to what is ahead. What God has done with us, how he's formed us and shaped us, it's for a future. And the future starts right now. This year coming for Basingstoke Baptist Church and all who will journey with us is going to be a year of amazing opportunities that God is going to say, are you going to take these? And are you going to see the fruit from them? Because I'd love to walk with you and use you. And if you will partner with me to see this community transformed for his honor and for his glory. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenwards in Christ Jesus. Let's press on together. Let's stand. Allow me to lead us in prayer. Lord, here we want to confess that so much of the past has held us back. We want to confess, Lord, that we have brought to our memory those things that we have said, those things we've done, those things that we have thought that you have forgiven. And we act as if you didn't even know about it. Would you help us, Lord, to have our minds renewed, even today, to know what it is to walk in the forgiveness that you give to each and every one of us? Our past is forgiven as we put our trust in you. We want to thank you, Lord, that you lay before us amazing opportunities. And we don't want to discount ourselves in any way, shape or form from walking out in the very best that you have for us. So we're not going to harp back to the past. We're not going to hold on to breakdowns in relationships. We're not going to find ourselves being bogged down by accusation and intimidation by the enemy. But we're going to fix our eyes upon Jesus. With our heads held high, we're going to walk together into the victories that you have prepared for us. We are children of yours. Adopted into your glorious family. Help us to know that you hold us, you support us, that you carry us, and you bless us as we carry forth the good news of the love of Christ into the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen.